Hello and welcome to our conversation on NaturalPod Live. This is a conversation platform for education leaders to share experiences and ideas that inspire each of us to envision what's possible and put behind action that really provides that inspiration. My name is Bridget Lomas. I'm a mother, a dancer, a nature lover, and the founder and CEO of NaturalPod. Our mission with NaturalPod is simple to ensure every learner and educator has a practical, healthy, sustainable environment to learn, enabling them to reach their full potential. Today, we'll be having a conversation with two special guests around changing engagement for Indigenous learners. During this conversation, we'll explore how we can weave in different perspectives and worldviews into our daily practice in an educational setting through a connection to culture, land and people. With play as our biggest teacher, we'll also discuss how we should be focusing on early care before learning and how the small and ordinary moments we weave together can create such an extraordinary and engaged learning experience. We invite you to join the conversation by commenting or providing questions in the chat box. We'll also address as we go along or follow up with you after our conversation today. Firstly, we'd like to acknowledge, and my apologies if I mispronounce, the Kwangan and Songhees Esquimalt and Wasanich peoples on which traditional territory that we are live streaming from today. We deeply respect these nations and their historical relationships with these lands continue to this day. I'm delighted to welcome, <clears throat> excuse me, our two amazing guests, Maureen and Denise. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Morning. Good morning. Maureen Dockendorf is currently an early childcare and learning strategic consultant at the BC Ministry of Education and has worked as a teacher, university faculty associate, principal, assistant school district superintendent, and is deeply passionate about improving life chances for all children and families. Her work focuses on early care and learning. Maureen has an unwavering commitment to strengthening professional partnerships between educators through collaborative inquiry and critical reflection. Denise Augustine is the Director of Aboriginal Education and Learner Engagement within BC School District 79 and has worked as an educator with students, students from K to 12 for over 20 years. More recently, as the District Principal of Aboriginal Education, Denise has been working closely with teachers, administrators, and support staff, using side-by-side -side coaching, action research, and experiential workshops. Denise carefully weaves story and research together, inviting adults to open their hearts and minds to imagine a community that values diversity and improves innovation. Before we get started today, both Maureen and Denise have something to share with us. Welcome to both of you, and thank you for being here. Thank you, Bridget. Um, I'd like to gratefully acknowledge that I am on the sacred lands um, and the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Silax Okanagan people. Peace. Good morning, everybody. This morning, I have the privilege of calling from the couch and territory, this land where for thousands of people, years, for thousands of years, people have gathered around their fires, raised their babies, laid their loved ones to rest, and done that in intimate relationship with this place. Just for a moment, 
I invite you to just feel your feet beneath you. Take a deep breath. And for a moment, I'm going to invite you to acknowledge the people of the place where you're standing right now or sitting. If you can, imagine the floor beneath you dissolving away so that your feet land firmly on the earth. I invite you to imagine the building walls slowly dissolving, the infrastructure around you disappearing. Notice where are the hills, the mountains, where are the waterways, what are the smells that you smell? For a moment, I invite you to imagine standing behind you are your ancestors and standing beside them are the ancestors of the place where you are. For a moment, I invite you to consider a child who you know and love standing in front of you facing forward. Imagine in front of them, their children, should they decide to have them, also facing forward and consider seven generations forward. Take a deep breath and allow your heart to fill with gratitude. Gratitude for those who have lived for thousands of years in that place that you call home. Gratitude for the ancestors who have brought us to this beautiful moment full of possibility and gratitude for those who are yet to come. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for this time to be together. Thank you so much, Maureen and Denise, for being here today. And thank you for that beautiful welcome. It's really beautiful. I can really feel myself connecting back to the earth and uh, releasing. So thank you for that. We're going to get started today. And there's so much that we want to cover. And I mean, both of you have had an extremely um, colorful career and have impacted so many throughout. So we'll try to get through as many, many things that we can today. But let's start with uh, telling us more about how play can be our biggest teacher and how can we all leverage more of this in our daily lives. Let's start with that aspect. Sure, I'm, I'm happy to start. Um, it's been really interesting, um, the pedagogy of play in our province. Um, and we are in the year 2021. And honestly, Bridget, we've had to work to make sure that the pedagogy of play stays at the very center and the very heart of all of the learning experiences. And I, I'd like to say not just for young children, um, we all love to play. We love to play as adults. Yes. Uh, and the whole notion of play um, as, as something that is the work of the child, so meaningful. Um, you know, I taught kindergarten for nine years. I, I watched, I witnessed, I observed kids getting married and divorced over and over and over again. And, and no one ever got hurt. Um, practice, practice, practice. Um, all with play at the center of what we're doing. So my notion is that play, the pedagogy of play, would be embedded in all, all classrooms, all learning environments um, for not just young children, but also for our adolescents. Wonderful. I, I would add to, I can't help but think about, you know, my 
family and community and how much joy there is and how important that is in resilience, um, how easily we are to laugh and tease. And I would say that, that it, all in the spirit of play um, and how those those gifts are really recognized too when children are young who are who are the joy makers in the community and the family and how do we nurture that? Um, because we recognize it as such an important piece of being human. Mm -hmm. Yeah, play really is a, one of our biggest teachers. And I love when you said that we, we, all, we all play, whether we're 8, 18 or 88, there's always play in our lives in some way. So we know, just before we go on, I, I really also want to highlight one of the struggles we're having in our in our province right now, and that's the notion that of, of what we call schoolification. So the push down of phonics in isolation, of academics, the push down of that and the pressure on, on families and on our um, early childhood educators um, to be some expectation that these children are getting ready for something and need this set of skills. So what we're really working with, Denise and I, is actually playification and pushing play up right. the system mm -hmm. um, and ensuring that we're developing and paying attention to the development of the whole child, not just literacy and numeracy. Mm. Awesome point, Maureen, and thank you for, for highlighting that. I think it's an important part to really think about how we can pause and be present to allow the play to unfold um, as first in the, for, in the forefront of all of our learning practices. So we know that early childhood educators are really the backbone and foundation of our learning system outside of parents, families, and caregivers. But how can we better focus on the well-being of not only the children, but also the educators? What kind of advice would you maybe uh, give to our audience today? You want me to go first? Oh, sure, Denise. Because I just go on and on. What can I say? Maybe best, Denise. I, you know, we talk a lot about shifting the system so that our learners have agency so that they don't just have we don't just give them voice so we listen to them and go mm-hmm mm -hmm, and then move on with our plan but that they can actually influence their learning i think this also stands true for the educators in our system they also need to have agency they're wise dedicated amazing individuals mm -hmm. and um we need to trust them and so i think that's part of um part of the, the this process needs to really be giving educators the space and support to do what they know is right for kids. And I am um, just to connect to that, Denise, um, the work we've been doing in our province, which I'm really, really proud of all around social and emotional learning, um, you know, led by the international uh, well-known uh, professor, Dr. Kimberly Shona Reichel. Mm -hmm. um, this is over 20 years. We've been working on social and emotional well-being, social and emotional learning. And in the beginning, the focus was always around children and adolescents and really supporting them um, in, in their well-being. But what we've learned in the last, in particular, the last five years, mm -hmm. um, the research and the science are telling us that the social and emotional well-being of the educator is absolutely critical. And the whole notion of the better um, how we feel affects how we learn. So our professional learning sessions have shifted to supporting the well-being of the educator because the better you feel about yourself, that there is a contagion. 
And that transmits to those beautiful, lovely, gifted children, every one of them um, that we serve. So it's been really an interesting shift to be focusing on how do we, in what ways do we support the well-being of, of educators, in particular in this year of uncertainty? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the well-being for all, um, and often that focus is really much on the children, but we have to always step back and go, are we taking good care of ourselves? And how do we nurture and inspire each other um, and really be in that place of, of joy to be able to give to others? It's not an easy thing to say and do, but it's an important practice to really pause and be present with each day. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, oh, absolutely. And and also, and it's Denise modeled so beautifully in the beginning, also slowing down. I tell you, I'm starting a new movement in this province, and it's <laughs> called the slow teaching movement. I have no idea why we're all in such a rush or wishing children were in a different place. Well, they won't be. These beautiful children are where they are on the continuum of life, in the process of becoming, uh, in the process of being human. And slow down, stay present in the moment, as Denise said, pay attention, be pushed, and talk about it. Actually, let's let's go deeper into that. And Denise, maybe you can share um, what are some of the ways that our educators could slow down and could take that pause and, and really recognize how to support their well-being? Do you have any insight or thoughts that you can share today? I'm not sure that I wish that there was like checklists or, you know, magic recipes that we could all follow to to do this. And I think that um, and maybe I don't wish that because gr I'm also grateful that there aren't because we all have our own process. That's um, right. I think, you know, part of it is giving ourselves permission to do less. And that is really important and really honoring um what is happening today, what's happening now. Um, and, and it means that we put ourselves in a position of having to make difficult choices. If I'm going to do less, everything that I do, I love and, you know, is all important. And, um, and so it's really difficult to pick some of those things to let go of. But in doing that, then we create space for us to slow down and to go deeper and, um, and to reflect, I think. I think uh, one of, I have the privilege right now of working with adults in the Ministry of Education and in the sessions that we do, folks are commenting at the change in cadence is uh, Keith Golden used, the change in cadence when we begin our sessions together, because we do, we just turn off your devices, take a moment, let's look at each other. Let's mm -hmm. listen to each other without trying to figure out what we're gonna say in response. Just listen, let's allow a pause between each speaker and at, you know in western society we're just not we're not used to that mm -hmm. yeah we're not and I think uh, if anything has taught me over this last year about acceptance and patience and pause has really highlighted um, the importance of that for me um, and so I think that when you share about there's no real checklist there's no real process to follow it's really a felt sense from within and how we can recognize and support each other to really take those moments of pause. So thank you for sharing that with that. I think that was a wonderful way of giving context what that looks like. 
excuse me, Maureen, um, you've shared with me um, that wholeness and development of the whole child mm -hmm. is really at the core of your focus. I, I mean, over the last decade that I've known you, I mean, you keep communicating that to me over and over again, and I love and value that about you. But can you tell us more about how you go about ensuring that the approach is embraced in the educational communities that you serve and develop? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's there's a couple of things that come to mind for me, Bridget and Denise, you jump in here. One is the gift in uh, British Columbia, which would not be the case in all of North America. So for our colleagues all around North America, I'm speaking specifically about British Columbia. So one of the gifts is a redesigned curriculum that did not put content in the center. It put the learner in the center. It talks about strongly um, and the learning standards that are woven from the curriculum from kindergarten right to grade 12. Focus with the learner yeah. at the very center, not curriculum. And our destination is not about covering curriculum. Uh, it is about uncovering curriculum. It is about taking the lead from the child. Uh, what are they passionate about? What are they curious about? What are they wondering about? And it really helps give permission because for, for many educators, they need permission um, to not be covering, but rather uncovering curriculum and a focus on the whole child. And it's bigger than literacy and numeracy. We didn't say it didn't, numeracy and literacy don't matter, but unless you attend to the emotional well-being of the child in the very beginning, how you feel affects how you learn. The other gift for us is our core competencies. And um, this is a great segue into um, the teachings of Denise because they are focused around creative and critical thinking. These won't be a surprise to anyone watching this this morning, creative and critical thinking, communication, but the ones I hold up as um, so critically important are around social responsibility, personal responsibility and awareness, and positive and personal cultural identity, sense mm -hmm. of agency, sense of voice. And Denise, I think if, I would love it if you would comment on, a little bit further on that um, because we're rooted in the first people's principles of learning mm -hmm. and that whole notion of having a positive personal and cultural identity is so critically important. Um, and we've learned that from the teachings of the first people's principles of learning. Absolutely. It kind of circles back around to what we were just talking about too, that this work is really internal work first. And, you know, I started teaching a long time ago and in that time it was, it really was the curriculum. Here's all the content you need to cover. And now with the shift to the competencies, with to really deeply understanding the first people's principles of learning, it requires each educa educator to get to know themselves. Like how do you help kids nurture a healthy sense of identity if you, you yourself don't know who you are and where you come from. If you haven't spent time unpacking your assumptions and biases, you don't know your ancestors and you kind of, you know, like I've, I've worked with hundreds of adults that just feel kind of plopped down into space and time and don't have a connection. And so I watch them as they start to build those connections, understand what is actually, what we're actually talking about when we talk about identity, for instance, right? Um, again, just re investing in our, in our educators is, is so important. 
Actually, Denise, I'd love to go deeper into that because I know that, <clears throat> excuse me, a good portion of your work is really centered around weaving that story and research together and really inviting the adults to open their hearts and minds and how you've worked with adults to really imagine community that values the diversity and really inspires um, innovation. So, and I know that, you know, we talk about the educators and coming down and what they model for the children, but maybe can you speak a bit more about that work that you've done about how you incorporate the story and the research together to help support that objective? Um, I don't know if I can really, Hmm. Let me let me offer this. So um, what I've noticed is that, like Maureen said, you know, educators need permission. Mm -hmm. And so when I spend time with educators and we start to unpack who they are and where they're from, um, they start to look at their learners differently. And what I've also noticed is that for the most part, we're all incredibly lonely and so fragile. And so the number of times that folks come to tears, for instance, to say, I've been doing this wrong for all these years. And that is, you know, troubling to my identity as a human, as an educator. Um, and so showing up with compassion for each other, um, understanding that the truth that we tell is a story. It's a story of bits and pieces of information that we have each woven together. And so if we want to, we have the ability to create a new story. I invite educators in BC here. Let's change the story of what it means to be an Indigenous learner in BC. Because right now it's not that great of a story. We still have a ways to go. Our Indigenous learners still have to show up and tuck little pieces of themselves away in order to be accepted into the, into the learning environment. But we have the power to change that. And so by creating spaces, for instance, where um, if, we're, if we're talking about um, land-based uh, knowledge, our Indigenous learners, lots of them are the experts. They get to talk about that freely. Or if we're talking about uh, canoe culture, lots of our lots of our Indigenous learners, they've got this. And so suddenly they're lifted up in a way that they don't have to be pointed out or made to feel marginalized, but they're actually, they're, their classmates actually need them. Mm. And that is also really um, empowering for educators. I would also mm offer, you know, COVID has given our educators a chance to build relationship with First Nations families in a way they never have before. And that also is changing the story of what it means to work with these children and families. Can you tell us more about how that has changed? And what do you think the, the positive outcome has been because of the shift with COVID? Particularly in the middle and secondary years, uh, educators have had to call home and visit homes and really reach out in a way that they didn't have time for, um, didn't have the, um, weren't compelled to do in the same way. And all over BC educators that I'm talking to are like, I'll never go back. It has transformed how they're working with these learners because they have a whole picture, like Maureen said, right from when they're little, they have a whole understanding of who this child is, not just whether they've covered the content in Science 10, but that they have this complex life that they're bringing into this classroom and into their learning with them. And also, you know, again, like Maureen has already reminded us, if we don't look after the whole child, and that includes their social emotional well-being, then we're going to struggle with really making meaningful learning. Hmm. 
I love I love the positive aspect of how these moments in life can really shift our thinking. I think it's quite wonderful. Maureen, I know as you've um, traveled and experienced different learners in, in your work um, and how Denise talks about some of those stories of how the students are really capable of sharing their own stories. Mm -hmm. Can you think of moments where the child has demonstrated that or can you share some wonderful experience that you've seen that um, evolving in the children that you've been serving? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, so reflecting on my own growth as um, as an educator and as a human, mm -hmm. uh, one significant thing for me, Bridget, is shifting from being the knower yeah. to being the wonderer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to observe these beautiful children and listen deeply as they're interacting with one another in play, indoors or outdoors, and being the wonderer versus the knower. Uh, the other really important shift for me was wondering with the parent, with the family, and the importance of the family. And in the importance of wondering with the family, you know, I, I'm curious about uh, Brody's perseverance. Like, here's what I'm noticing. Are you noticing this the same or is it different? Um, you know, you know, help me. Uh, and really working closely with that parent uh, to really be that wonderer. Um, the other thing, Bridget, that has really shifted in in my practice is, and it so beautifully connects to um, what Denise was talking about, is actually telling the story that matters, to pay attention to small moments and to illuminate them and to hold them up. And when I say the stories of matter, it, that matter, it's not whether the child holds the crayon with the right hand or with the left hand. Quite frankly, that is not a story that matters. The story that matters is one of courage, courage to, jump from a climber when they never off a climber when they never did that before um friendliness and kindness uh to another child um compassion empathy and holding up those stories that matter um i i that that's definitely uh, a shift uh, in, in my practice and 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 the child as the lead and the child as a democratic citizen and the child with sense of agency and true voice. Those are all shifts, um, which I have really struggled to embed in my practice, not only uh, in my practice with children, but in the professional learning sessions, both Denise and I um, are so blessed to be part of and facilitate throughout our province. Because mm, every story does matter, right? And every child has wonder. It's providing the space to allow that to really flow through. And to give permission. I want to come back to the slow down. Yeah. To give permission to know that that's what matters. Right. People all over North America, no matter where you are, it's about the human connection. Mm -hmm. it, it's about relationships. It's not about adding and subtracting. Uh, I'm not suggesting you don't need to know that. But at the heart of everything we do, it's about the human connection and it's about relationships. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter where you are in this country or on this continent. That's the story that matters. Mm -hmm. Makes me think as you're speaking about, Denise, about connecting to the land, right? It's, it's all the connection from the land to the culture, to the community, to the parents, to the families, 
to the elders, to the students, to the educators. It's all a part of the wholeness of what is really there. Um, you mentioned the word struggle. Um, and Denise, are you experiencing some of the struggles too around this? And, and what do you think is like looking to the future? How can we build more of that equality um, around supporting the wholeness of the child? Do you see any, any other sparks of joy that you think could help link everything together? Um, yeah, I, I see lot, lots of them. Um, I think, you know, like Maureen said, it, so much of it is about giving each other permission. Right. If we were to, and, and, and it's not, sorry, I'm struggling a little bit for words because quite frankly, it's really just going back to what, you know, my family and community have practiced for thousands of years, putting children at the center and trusting actually that they know what they need. And mm -hmm. our job is, you know, as the aunties and the uncles and the elders is to watch them and witness who they are and then lift up and nourish those things that uh, their gifts or their interests. Um, and, and it's just such a, I can't help but shake my head, this idea that as adults, we have a prescribed list of things kids need to know, and then they'll be ready for life. It's such a myth that we tell ourselves. Yeah. You know, like, uh, um, and so, and so what I also see is, you know, with COVID again, we see, educators going outside more and mm -hmm. and talking about oh they, there were like no behavior problems the whole afternoon right and any of us who take our kids outside know that nature is magical and and there for us to to nourish us and you know we know stress levels go down we know that engagement goes up that attention spans lengthen like so, so what the heck why don't we just use that information and do what we need for kids. Um, so, for instance, here in BC, um, I, I just was looking over um, some documents that districts sent in, and outdoor classrooms are being built all over the place, and that just fills me with joy. You know, our children need to be outside. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that's something that we've noticed too in our work, and part of the um, piece that I struggle with for me is the connection back to land. And to me, when I think of outdoors, it's not about form and function. It's really about just going outside. You know, there is a tree, there's a tree stump, there's a rock, there's all different elements. It's not necessarily that you have to have the perfect classroom to be outside, to connect to nature and keep it that simple. Um, and, I'm, and I was thinking about when you said, you know, it's just about connecting. I'm wondering if, you know, we can help remove some of those barriers going. You don't need to have perfection to be outside. And here are all the benefits of doing that. And uh, how do we give more permission for that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Here, people, this is your permission. Go. <laughs> yeah, just, just be outside right now. There's nothing more that you need to do um, to go out there and experience that. I mean, I... Think about the wonder and joy and I was walking with a group of students and this young boy looked up and he looked at this tree and he said oh I see a giant dinosaur and I'm literally looking around like you know like is there an animal there or you know something that I shouldn't be seeing and he actually saw a dinosaur in this tree so that wonder and joy in those magical moments about pausing and just being that's just you can't make that stuff up. It just happens. There's no list. There's no pre-described anything to make that magical inquiry occur. It's just it's just there. So I know I could talk about the outdoor 
I mean, I'm a huge nature lover. I'm on, you know, Vancouver Island. It's one of my magical places. But yeah, I wonder if you've got any other experiences yourselves when you've seen children outside and connecting back to the land and culture that you want to share. I, I just want to add a story in here I heard the other day from um, a teacher. Because here's the other piece that happens. We think we have to uh, make a plan for every single moment instead of <laughs> trusting, instead yeah. of trusting the fact that kids do know what they need. And so she was a teacher who was really reluctant to take her kids outside. And so she she had every moment planned, every single thing. And then finally, a mom said to her, do you think they could just have a chance to be? Um, we're outdoors. Look at this beautiful place. We're in the forest. Do you think you could just let them just be? And she, she jumped back and she said, I actually don't know how to do that. And the mom said, just trust uh, that kids will find their path. Just trust these kids will, will be fine. And the teacher's reflections were so beautiful because she said all the behavior issues completely diminished. Kids were so engaged. The play was absolutely uh, deep in and varied and these level of engagement went up. She goes, now I do it every day. Uh, so I, I think, you know, there, there's, again, we're, we're, we're thinking about what we did in the past versus the mindset shift to the century we're in now. These are very different learners. Um, also, I think um, it really helps when you have a, a provincial or state um, curriculum that supports it. Mm -hmm. And um, in British Columbia, we do. And I, I'd also like to just hold up this document and for all of you around North America, uh, this is, and I think our friend Christopher will put this in the chat, a link to it. You can download this for free. This is our early learning framework, which goes from birth to grade three. If I ran the world, it would have gone birth to grade 12, uh, all rooted in the pedagogy of play. But the most beautiful thing about this and play outdoors and the importance of outdoors um, and the beauty of this is it's inclusive of early childhood educators and primary educators. But I, I really hold this up. And Denise, I'm going to ask you to follow up on this because uh, Indigenous pedagogy, worldviews, and perspectives are woven through the fabric of all of the living, living inquiries or goals woven through the fabric here and not added on at the end, which we so often have done in the past, but working alongside indigenous scholars and knowledge keepers to make sure that we're holding up um, ways of being um, from a First Nations and indigenous perspective. So I, I highly recommend, um, you know, if you're interested, down, download it for free. Denise, any comments you want to I would just, I would echo that it's really, irregardless of what age a learner you're working with, it's a really great document to look at to see how that, that's been done, um, weaving in the first people's principles, Indigenous ways of knowing and being. Um, what, what, we, what I've seen with um, educators and leaders is be, when they're looking at how do we include First Nations in our learning environment, starting off with like including uh, literature written by First Nations authors and that kind of thing. And, and really what I like about this framework is it really looks at the structures. What are the day-to-day -day things that 
that we can change how we are, um, how we organize our learners, how we organize our learning. So they're really more representative of indigenous ways of knowing and being powerful document. And I think the other piece that we're learning is that this isn't, um, when you're thinking about indigenous pedagogy, this isn't a celebration once a year. This and our goal is to weave in indigenous, indigenous pedagogy, uh, ways of being, ways of knowing into the fabric of everything we do mm -hmm. daily, not an add on or once a year. So really looking at shifting our practices and, and to not be afraid. Denise has taught me this. Do not be afraid. Well, I don't know how to do this. Like, where, where would I start? Like, I don't know how to do this. And what if I make a mistake? And Denise says, well, go ahead, Denise. What do you say to me when I say that? Well, you're, going to, you're going to make a mistake. And so am I. We're going to make mistakes. And, you. And, and, and we can't afford not to, really. That's, you know, that's what we ask all of our learners to do. I also offer this that I think we need to be showing up with compassion for each other. So in especially during this time where there's a heightened awareness to equity and, you know, and people are trying to do the right thing and they are making mistakes. And if we follow that with punishment and shame, then all the learning will stop. And so we need to be compassionate and kind and healing. We need to create space for healing for each other. And so um, I think there's something about that too, that we need to, as a, as a larger society, have more of a conversation about, because I just am seeing too many examples of people jumping to punishment and that, and, and then we, you know, create fear and, a bunch of things that we don't really want in children's learning. Mm -hmm. also You're also really, um, you, you talk a lot about the importance of what we do with it to engage Indigenous learners is good for every child. Yes. Yes. It, you know, I wrote down the title, Challenging or Changing Engagement for Indigenous Learners. And I was thinking, well, it's actually really not changing engagement for Indigenous learners, it's changing engagement for the adults in indigenous knowledge and ways of being. Mm. What I do, it's actually not because I control the space, right? And then then the learners will engage differently. So I'm hearing engagement, permission, make mistakes, um, you know, just do it, you know, learn about those parts that are out there. Is there any kind of other, would you say, call to action for myself or others that we could connect more to our culture and nature and people more intentionally. Is there any other advice that you may provide our viewers today? I, I think one thing for me is shifting our mindset shift to be strength-based, to be welcoming every single learner into our learning environment and to begin with the strengths that they have and hold up those gifts. Mm -hmm. um, to, if again, if I ran the world, there wouldn't be any grades because that's not how learning happens. So there isn't a place you need to be in June. Um, so slowing down, paying attention, being present in the moment and holding up those gifts. And in particular for our kids that need lots of support, we need to change the narrative they tell themselves. And that we have an incredible role as educators um, to be able to shift that narrative so they see their gifts and to always be kind. Oh. I think another just a practical thing if there's uh, for teachers, just making sure that we're weaving in Indigenous authors into the stories that we tell and we utilize in our learning environment. And if you don't know this book, When We Are Kind, 
by the incredible author Monique Gray Smith, it's worth taking a look at. Mm -hmm. Really beautiful. Absolutely. Is there anything you would like to add to that, Denise? No, thank you. <laughs> I know it's it's such a this such a rich and engaging conversation, and I feel like um, I know our viewers are kind of going to be curious about you know what's next for both of you, and maybe you can start, Denise. Like, kind of what's next for you? What is your next thing that you really want to focus on? Um, I became a grandmother yesterday for the first time. Congratulations! And thank you. Um, and I have to say that it has deepened my commitment. Um, I think if anyone can change the world, it's educators. We have uh, the privilege of walking beside these humans who are new on their journey. And if we work together, we can really uh, create a world where, you know, my little Nova who comes from a mixed ancestry um, can stand and be equally confident and accepted as any other child um, and, and move into the, into the future with, with grace. Um, I think that, yeah, for me, it's just, it's just deepened what's possible. Beautiful. Beautiful. Maureen. I will continue the work that we are engaged in integrating our childcare into the Ministry of Education in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. um, right now it sits in another ministry. And so this is a huge journey. Mm -hmm. um, and to hold up those years from birth to five and to hold up those early childhood educators uh, with as the professionals they are, with the expertise they have, and to really work hard, Bridget, at mm -hmm. creating a system that has continuity of learning. Uh, and really holds up a continuum of learning from, from birth uh, to post-secondary uh, and to continue to focus on what can we do to improve life chances uh, for all kids and all families. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I think about that continuity of care and that, uh, you know, my son who inspired me, like you think of your, of your grandchild now, Nova, who just came into the world, my son really deepened my love and passion for really wanting to make and change. And he's now turning eight. We just turned 18 now. Now his next venture into life. And each day I look at them in wonder and joy going, they're the next generation moving forward. And I know collectively all of us as adults and educators and community and parents, the whole elders, like the aunts and the uncles, um, we can really collectively make a difference. We really can. And it is really, truly that simple. We can start. We're not perfect. We're all human. Um, we're going to make mistakes. But not doing something is something that I know for myself that I couldn't do. I have to do something. Well, what can I do? And it could be the smallest of things. You know, finding a rock and looking at the magic of that. Just start and really look at that wonder and joy. So thank you again, truly. Um, You've really both touched my heart deeply today and really inspired me to keep moving forward in the work that I'm doing. I know you've inspired our viewers, no doubt about that. Um, your wisdom has been incredibly rich as per normal um, and it's been an absolute pleasure to chat with both of you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Really appreciate that. So thank you to our audience for joining us today. 
Um, follow us on whatever platform you're watching on this on and for our next episode. And thank you and take care and, you know, just make a start. It's that simple. With joy. With joy, absolutely. <laughs> take care, everybody, and have a wonderful day.